Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to the Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. FM 104. It's Room 104. It's Cormac and Saoirse here. And, and tell us this evening now, the most dangerous thing that you have ever done because our next guest has participated in one of the most extreme, one of the most dangerous and life-threatening sports that you can take part in anywhere um, around the world. And we'll get to that uh, in a second. But, I mean, the most dangerous thing you've ever done, like if you, the most dangerous sport I've ever played is GAA over here. And that's really not that dangerous. Yeah, I think mine was probably basketball because I'm so small. I used to always get hit in the face with the ball. And uh, yeah, it could have been life threatening <laughs> at times. Uh, but in terms of sports, you know me, I'm not very sporty. So I haven't really participated any, in anything that is terrifyingly dangerous. Now, in saying that, you know, we do know and hear about, you know, the rodeo. We don't have it here, obviously. But, you know, amusement parks, you can go to a few actually in Ireland that have that kind of ball. Elect- the, the electronic bull thing, yeah. yeah. It's terrifying. I was on it once. And that oh, one we, we on one before? Friend. I was on one before, and when I mean I got flung to the other side of the room. And they, they don't good. even look like they go that fast. No, they don't. And that's the thing. If you if you don't hang on properly, that's the end of you. So <laughs> Well, yeah. at, at least that's not real, because I imagine if you had a real one now, they just stab you in the face with their horns, and it's way worse than drunkenly falling onto a mat. In uh, you know in Marbella somewhere or whatever you are on your on your holidays, but joining us now on the show is somebody who's been doing this professionally, professionally bull riding uh, on real bulls, not the electronic ones down the fairground that you see. You know he's been doing this for years. He's one of the few uh, African American men who are doing this because we think bull riding. I just think Texas. I just think cowboys, um, yeah. white cowboy lads in Texas, and and that's pretty much it. But he's obviously breaking the mold and chatting to us about how he got involved in one of the most dangerous sports in the world. Maybe he'll tell us about some of his most horrific injuries he's gotten. We're delighted today to welcome onto Room 104, Neil Holmes. Neil, how are things? Hey, how's it going? Thank you guys for having me. Neil, first and foremost, why did you get involved in such a dangerous sport? Hey, you know what? It's kind of it's kind of crazy how I got involved in bull riding. Most of my colleagues, you know, they they grew up on ranches or you know someone in their family rodeoed. And my story's a little different. I actually just um, I went to a rodeo as a young adult, and I was like, hey, I think I can do that. I tried it one time, fell in love with it, and um, I've been doing it ever since. Well, at least to 2018. How does one? try bull riding because in every other sport there's like you know underage games you can get involved in there's safe secure places where you can start but bull riding i imagine even dipping your toe in the pond is 
Dangerous. Bull ride is one of those things, you know, it has to find you. You don't really just find bull riding. Um, you know, it, it, it takes a different type of person to continue it. But um, me, myself, I mean, I'm just an adrenaline junkie, and most of those guys that you see riding bulls professionally now, you know, they do it for the love of bull riding, you know. But, of course, you know, the, the person and the money is always a perk for it. Have you had any really near-death experiences? Because, you know, from watching it, it looks very dangerous. I've had quite a few close calls myself, but I consider myself lucky, you know, considering some of the stuff I've seen other guys go through, but I've had, you know, I've been knocked unconscious and dragged around the arena by the bull, broken my jaw, been headbutted by the bull, I've cracked my pelvic, Um, I mean, there's probably not too many bones I haven't broken, but, you know, I guess that's what makes bull riding bull riding, that's what people pay to see, you know, they want to see those bull riders, you know, that excitement and those wrecks. It's kind of like another version of, like, Destruction Derby, isn't it, except it's, there's no protective seatbelts or helmets, it's just a man on the bull's back (laughs) and chaos and Yeah, that's, that's, it's very little protection, so uh, it's kind of hard to compare it to any other sport, but um, it's definitely in its own lane when it comes to, um, you know, the danger of the sport. You know, when you mentioned that you had tried it for the first time, like, where and what, how was that? Like, how, what happened? I was like 17, and most guys that, that ride bulls, you know, they start pretty young, and by me being older... I guess I was a little bit behind, but anyway, long story short, I, I went to this rodeo, and I would go to this rodeo every Easter um, in a little small town um, just here in Texas near where I grew up, and every year during the rodeo, the bull ride was like the favorite event for everyone. You know, everybody would, you know, gather in the stands to make sure they didn't miss the bull ride, and all the ladies loved the bull ride. And so I was like, you know what? If these guys can do it and, you know, get this response, I'm sure I can do it. So I tried it, and um, I fell in love with it, man. And, and it was like one of those, kind of like a drug. I guess you, you try one time, you get addicted. You know, I tried it one time, and I was instantly hooked. And from that moment forward, you know, all I wanted was bull riding. It took me to college. It gave me a professional career, and my life probably wouldn't have been the same without it. How does it actually work, then, when you go into the ring, I guess? You don't know what temperament the, the bull is. Yeah, so you basically just um, 40 guys, 40 bulls, and they're picked randomly. And some of those bulls, you know, they can be notorious, and some of them are just as friendly as your as your household dog. But you don't get to choose which one you get to pick, so it's kind of basically luck of the draw, and um, the best score wins. It's kind of just like a fist fight to the finish. Yeah. So, like, how is it scored? How do how do you win? How do you become the best bull rider in the country? Okay. So there's there's a, a point system, and there's a hundred points available. Um, there's only been one hundred point ride in the history of bull riding, so that's not nothing you see very often, but. 50 points is from the bull rider and 50 points is from the, the actual bull. So you want to have a good bull so that you can have a, you know, you can get a good percentage of those points off of that bull. So an average score would be like between 70 and 80, 80 to 90 being a B and anything over 90 being a great ride, an A plus type ride, kind of like your grade system in school. And, and there's two judges. Each judge, he's, he's given 50 points and 25 of those points are from the bull, 25 of those points are from the rider, and at the end of the ride, those judges put their numbers together, and that's how you get that the, um, the final score of the ride. It's a judge sport, so I guess, you know, if you have any favor with the judge, that can always work out in your in your favor as well. Uh, did you become a professional bull rider then throughout all of this? Like, is that Was that your full-time job? Yeah, it was totally unexpected. Um, upon graduating from high school, I received a scholarship to go study at um, Prairie View A&M University. It's a local a local university here in Texas on a rodeo scholarship and um, went there 
you know, over my time there in college, you know, I became professional. It just took off from there. Um, it's kind of like baseball. I don't know if you guys are familiar with American baseball, but there's like a, a minor league series and a major league yeah. series. And basically, basically, you just work yourself up, work your way through those series till you're in the top 45 in the um, in the country. Or I take that back in the world because there's riders from Australia, there's riders from Brazil, there's riders from Mexico, there's riders from, you know, all over the world. And the PBR brings us all together to showcase our talent. And o- over the years, like how successful were you able to, to get? I would consider myself pretty successful. Um, I never did win a world title, unfortunately, but, um, you know, in, in, in professional rodeo or professional bull ride, you know, there's, there's very few professional circuits and I've, I've made, you know, I've, I've been on all of those circuits. I've made it to the finals in all of those circuits. I've been a world contender in all of those circuits, but I never just, you know, I never pulled off that world championship. So I think that's the only regret I would probably have in my, in my career is, you know, not getting that world championship, but I think I could live with the accolades that I do have. And then going back as well, I watched the the YouTube video of you know the fact that you were you felt probably like you were the only black bull rider in a white sport. How did that feel? Yeah, you know that that definitely adds a little more, um, you know, I guess a little more drama to that story. But uh, when I first kind of started out, you know, there was one or two maybe black guys that were riding. They weren't really um, up in the world standings to be contenders, but they did yeah. open, uh, you know, they, they opened the, the, the door for me and I, I was able to kind of follow that path to, you know, to it led into my own path. But as I, as I did expand on my career, you know, I've seen several young guys, young African-American guys, especially, you know, just from here in Texas in the Houston area, that they've, they've come about and been able to blossom within the PBR and you know I kind of pat myself on the back for not only giving them those guys that opportunity but also um, continuing the you know the legacy that was that was put before me and hopefully you know those guys you know they're riding real good we have a guy here in, in out of Houston named Ezekiel Mitch I think he's in the top 15 in the world and you know hopefully he's able to, to continue that legacy of black cowboys because if not you know that story will be forgotten but here in texas especially you know you can't mention cowboys without mentioning african americans but you know if if there's no one to continue that legacy it will be kind of you know pushed to the back of the shelves kind of like other african-american history here in america especially at the moment the the race relations in america from an outsider's point of view seems to be uh, intense seems to be a little bit you know whatever that's going on at the moment but your perspective on uh, you know how it's been for you within a predominantly white American kind of Southern society has it been overall a positive or is there things that you've experienced that you're like needs to be called out or needs to be addressed from your own perspective? Well, I figure like from, from my perspective as an African American here in America, of course, but then being a, a, a professional bull rider, predominantly black sport, I feel like things have changed a lot, you know, since 15 years ago when I first started on this path, I feel like uh, things have gotten better, but, you know, there's still a lot of change that needs to be done. And that's just not for bull riding. That's for, you know, America as a whole. I'm no politics, so, you know, I I don't want to say anything and try to sound politically correct. But, you know, the issues that we're facing, I mean, we've been facing these issues for over 400 years now. Now it's just being addressed. You know, it's just light is being brought to it. But in my neighborhood, you know, things haven't changed 
things have always been like this. We've always been oppressed. We've always had been oppressed by, you know, the majorities. And now, you know, people from the outside are just able to see that, you know, but we've been dealing with this for years and we've been trying to solve it ever since Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and, you know, even those before him. So this is a problem, an ongoing problem that hopefully my generation will get to see resolved. But I mean, who knows? It's been 500 years. It might take another 500 years before we ever get to where we want to be. But, I mean, yeah, while we're here... It took us 800 years to get rid of our oppressors, so don't worry. Exactly. <laughs> Stay the long fight. The Irish finally got rid of uh, British, uh, the British Empire here. And we're still, I suppose, some people would argue they're still kind of fighting that fight as well. But I think it's, it's amazing, I suppose, what you've done to kind of, um, as you said, lead the way for a lot of other younger people to kind of get into the sport. Because ultimately, that really... Putting your life on the line on the back of a bull it doesn't really matter what your skin colour is it just really matters that you're insane inside your own head and are willing to, to nearly die like it's nuts yeah most most bull riders they have a few loose screws up top but uh, <laughs> you know I, I wouldn't change my career for anything and you know this year I'll be 35 years old and you know I'm, I'm, I would be one of the older guys in the locker room you know some of these young guys you know they're 18 or 20 years old and I mean I remember when I had that same fire and desire I mean you know it's nothing that yeah. can beat you at this point so you know my my goal at this point is to you know that's to kind of continue to reach out to those underdeserved, underdesired communities. You know, there's a lot of communities, even though we're here in Texas, and you think, you know, Texas, you think cowboys and, you know, almost the wild, wild west, but there's a lot of urban communities that, you know, not even ex- have been exposed to the Western culture of, you yeah. know, cowboys and rodeo and things of that sort. So, you know, that's kind of my, my, my mission these days is to kind of expose people to that, you know, and enlighten them in a positive way of, you know, the Western culture and American just let you know African Americans or minorities know that even if you don't look like you know this guy you can still you know participate in this sport and be a champion because there is no color divide in the sport of rodeo absolutely and do you think that you're going to retire anytime soon pack it all in or are you going to keep going I've actually if you, you guys seen that documentary on, on Vice I believe that was that was a retirement documentary that was my last ride um, in March of 2018 and um, since that point you know I've, I've you know bull riding and rodeo is one of those sports you can't just cut off cold turkey you know I'm sure I'll, bull riding will forever be a part of my life but um, now it's more so in giving back you know bull riding is giving me every Everything I've ever had so it's, it's only right for me to you know give back to the sport that's given me so much so yeah so um, uh, where do you see yourself kind of in the next three to five years still heavily involved still helping people and, and obviously yeah still still with a bull in arm's reach anyway <laughs> Oh, most definitely. I, I, like I said before, you know, bull riding will forever be a part of my life um, in some in some shape, form, or fashion. In the next couple of years, you know, hopefully I'll have a few guys under my wings that are uh, pursuing the PBR finals or pursuing some type of um, role within rodeo, you know, whether if they're just a riders or stock contractors or gate men, you know, everyone that's involved in rodeo is not a, a world champion. Everyone that's involved in rodeo is not actually a, a participant in rodeo. So there's a lot of there's a lot more things to rodeo than what meets the eye and you know, hopefully we can just bring light to that, bring awareness to that and that way we can um diversify the sport a lot more than what it is. Well it's fascinating. I mean I was terrified watching you um ride the bull and you know, I was like 
trying to look in between my fingers the whole time terrifying and I think if I was your your wife I would hate to see you going off there every day to to do it but you have kind of taken a step back now and uh, it's lovely to see you helping others yeah and I mean you know before me that was guys that helped me and I'm sure I wouldn't have been able to get you know nearly as far as I did in my career without those guys so it's only right to give back and you know like I said here in, in the minority community without there being very many athletes to look look up to or you know reach out to uh, you know whether it's bull riding or calf roping or you know whatever sport it may be within rodeo I feel like you know I want to make myself ex- accessible to those that you know they're not able to reach out to the timers and you know JB Mooney's and all those world class class athletes well uh, Neil it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Room 104 this evening keep uh, smashing whatever you're going to smash next and uh, listen if you're ever over if we ever get to travel again and if you're ever over this side of the world do uh, say hello we'd love to have you in studio but listen Neil Holmes bull rider over in Texas thanks a million for popping on Room 104 hey thanks for having me you guys stay safe a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot may be your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.